Welcome to Leap Listens, the employer branding podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm joined by my co-host Roger. Hello. Leap Listens is brought to you by Leap Create, a dynamic people communications agency. Ben Phillips has extensive experience in recruitment, L&D, leadership, development, culture transformation and marketing, consumer and talent across various sectors and company sizes. He brings a unique perspective to the table, having worked in-house, agency side and within SaaS. Throughout his career, Ben has prioritised communication, content and technology. His current focus is improving maturity of the employer branding and talent marketing space, simplifying processes for professionals in the industry. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So Ben, tell us about you and your career in employer branding. Oh, wow. Okay. So I first heard of the term employer branding in about 2010, 2011. Um, I didn't know it at the time. I, was, I just joined Tesco at the time when it was kind of cool to put the term social media in your title because that was just kind of rising up in, in the recruitment space and the communication space. So I started there. I think my title social media and employer branding marketing manager. And you'll learn about me that I seem to have a history of excessively long job titles. Uh, and that's where it all started. Uh, we didn't really call it employer branding then. It was just about, can you share some stuff about what it's like to work here? Uh, on these new things called Twitter and Facebook that people were starting to play with. And then the world at Tesco went a bit mad. If, for those that remember their retail history, who would? People have lives. But um, that was when Philip Clark was in and he left and it became David Lewis. But I got involved in culture transformation, leadership development. And I had a bit of L&D in my background before then. I've mentioned that because that will be a thread throughout this conversation around kind of employer branding and um, the things around it of EVP and talent marketing. Um, and then fast forward through a few years, then in consumer marketing, um, linked to a company purpose change and how those threads tie together, which again, it's carried through in my current employer branding ways of thinking and ways of working. And then doing social media marketing strategies, leading a social media team. And then in the last five, six years, I think I found my resting place back in employer branding and talent marketing and links to that an eye on people experience and making sure they're aligned that's fantastic now the title of this podcast is going back to basics with your employer brand strategy with ben phillips that's you uh, last time i heard back to basics it was it was john major and he was talking about a return to traditional values of uh, neighborliness decency and courtesy so um and we all know how that went for him. So maybe not the best uh, tee up, uh, Roger, but, but thanks for that. I'm, I'm seeing a very grey, ashen, spitting image puppet now. So uh, so um, what do you mean by back to basics, Ben? What do I mean by back to basics? I think things, and I don't know why, for many reasons, I'm guilty of it myself, we can overcomplicate things. I think back to basics of employer branding is just going back to the roots of what it is that you're trying to achieve and being laser focused on that and then using the tools and the techniques you need to achieve that. And I think as an example, going back to real basics, it's just the language we are using in this industry. What do people mean when they say employer branding? And I think you could ask that question to 10 people and get 10 different answers. So it's things like that, you know, people go in and they want to use the latest trends. They start a new gig in this space. They want to go in and I don't know if it's driven by their ego or leadership ego. They want to be the innovative, the new, to try something different. 
but they build it on a decaying foundation where if they actually spent time to fix those basics, they could have future success with the new innovative stuff that later on down in their plans and their strategy. Give me an example of what you think some of those basics are. Okay. So with all these conversations, context is really important, right? So I'm I, my experience in the main when it comes to talent attraction or recruitment has always been mid-level to senior leadership level. So I've never done volume. So what I'm about to say, people in that volume space, like in hospitality retail, may completely poo-poo this and say he doesn't understand my world. And they would be absolutely right. But just for that, so the listeners are on, we're on the same kind of contextual platform. What do I mean when going back to basics? So I'm very fortunate to have done some basic design thinking training. And design thinking at the heart of that is about putting the end user at the heart of every decision you make and their, their user journey. So I think about that user journey in the context, and let's let's say I'm not dogmatic about a definition of employer branding, but I think we, for the purpose of this conversation, it's worth being aligned on one, whether you agree or disagree for the, for the context of this discussion. Let's say employer branding is the wrapper you put around your EVP and your culture. It's the color palette, it's the fonts, it's the look and feel, the tone of voice to build whatever that association is that you want your audience to think, feel, see, and do when they see those colors, those fonts, your logo. Some may argue it's more. And then let's say that talent marketing is how you then distribute that on the content and the conversations you have in the multiple channels online or offline. Now tie that back to design thinking and putting the user at the heart. We put a wrapper around our culture to communicate it in a way that attracts people to us, either when we're hiring or when we want to grow a pipeline and nurture that pipeline. And then you look at that user journey and you think about what the person you need to, what, what you expect the person to do and their emotional state when they're doing it. So you have the most fantastic latest TikTok creative, which you've slaved over for however long. Where do you you share that on TikTok? Why? Well, usually because there's a call to action. It'll either be apply to this job or come and check out this blog. So the person clicks on it. Then where do they go? They go to the website. What do they do on the website? Well, they either watch the piece of content that you've hinted at or they're applying to a job because the call to action is applying now. But ultimately, all roads do lead to a job ad. And if you look at a majority of the job ads that you see online, and this has been a challenge, and we've been banging on about this in the 25 years that I've been in this recruitment space, job ads are just not up to scratch. So if that becomes the weakest link in your chain, then going back to basics, the first thing you should be doing as part of your strategy, quote unquote, should be fixing your job ads, because if that's where people are going to end up landing, ultimately, that's the thing you need to fix. It's a really, it is a really great great point, point, isn't it? My next question actually was, what are some of the common mistakes or misconceptions that organizations um, should be aware of when developing their employer brand strategy. And um, I think you've answered some of that very nicely with going back to basics, thinking about your job advert rather than perhaps a, you know, quite expensive TikTok, Mm. you know, post. Is there anything else, Ben, that you can share with our listeners around those common mistakes? Well, I think uh, one, Sarah, you and I need to rethink putting Ninja and Rockstar on all our job <laughs> job titles. Um, I would never let yeah. you do that. <laughs> yeah, so were there any other, apart from those, were there any other sort of pitfalls and common mistakes that you, you, you see that you could advise people on? Yeah, and I'm conscious of time, so I'll keep it to two relatively basic ones. Well, basic to articulate, but not basic to fix. For me, your brand is not your reputation. And that's, I think, a key conversation I've been having with leadership in my current company, where they want to have a certain reputation. Um, Your brand can help 
contribute to your reputation, but your reputation is in the main, I believe, born out of what people think and feel when they've had a physical interaction with you, whether they've currently, whether they've worked for you in the past or they still work for you, or they're a third party who's engaged with you. And does that person walk away and think, Jesus, th those guys are really switched on. That, th those are smart cookies, which then drives the reputation that you are a, you know, that kind of place to work and you, you, um, house those, that type of talent. Because if your leaders are telling you that they want to drive a certain reputation, and they think that the employer brand is going to do that, you're setting yourself up for failure. So it's quite critical, I think, to make that distinction. And if you don't, that's a pitfall that people kind of often walk into. And I think when it comes to content, whatever you produce, wrapped with and infused by your brand, if we're going to agree on the quick definition I gave at the top of this conversation, it needs to add value to your end user. And there is still so much, dare I say, excuse my French, shit being pumped out about companies do people really care about Jane who's doing her one year anniversary? I, I, I don't know if they do. Because if I'm sat on my sofa on a weekend and I don't really know your company and I'm, you know, I'm into continual development, would I want to hear about Jane who's just done a year at Company X? Or would I want a piece of content that could really help me grow as a professional? If you want me to stop and stick on your content, are you adding value to my life? And that's, I've just come off a conversation with my team and my leaders about, you know, the future content strategy, because they understand if they want to share milestones and product developments and so on and so forth, so they, that, that has a part, but what value are we adding to people who really want to be distinctive? So content that doesn't add value to someone's life. And that comes out of, you know, we've been talking about digital transformation for years. And what's digital transformation? Well, digital transformation, I think you can blame this on Jeff Bezos because he's, he's been rather successful at it. Everything that he did with Amazon, he put the customer and their needs at the heart of every decision. That's why I love Amazon. I buy a product, 12 months later it dies. I call Amazon, they say, don't worry, Mr. Phillips, we're gonna send you a new one. And then we go, yeah, yeah, it's all digital transformation. Okay, so we all agree, it's about putting the customer at the heart of what we want to do. Yes, it is, great, okay. And in the next breath, it's right. What we want to say is, and you kind of go, oh, straight away, you've, you've missed the point. You've gone, yeah, yeah, digital transformation. Yes, design thinking, customer at the heart of every decision we make. And you start with, the, well, this is what we want to do, where you should be starting with, what do they want to do? What do they need? What do they want to hear? So I think that's that's a really big one. That's a really challenging one. Easy to articulate, basic to, to express, but very difficult to get senior leaders to go, we've got to start with what our audience wants, not what we want to say. Mm. Yeah. That's not just employer brand, is it? That's, that's the basic marketing. <laughs> yeah. No, that's communication. That's the, and that's where my marketing and branding consumer comes from, right? Just to add another layer of ironically complexity based on the topic that's the basics. But anyone who's been in content strategy or marketing will be familiar with the Venn diagram of, you know, the sweet spot of content. It's what your audience wants to hear and what you want to say. And there's an arrow that points to the middle of the intersection of that Venn diagram and goes, there's your sweet spot. They also, I've always wondered why they forget the third wheel on that, which is what you want to say with what your audience wants to hear, and if you're sharing it digitally, how your how the platforms want you to behave. So there's always that third piece to consider as well, which people don't. So they share something on LinkedIn, and they say, here's a link to the full video on YouTube. And the LinkedIn algorithm goes, hang on a second, you want to take our audience to one of our key competitors, and you're sharing this organically? I don't think so. It's a really great point. Mm, that's a really good point. Yeah. I think probably there's a lot of naivety, isn't there, around that I think you know people think these platforms kind of exist for their benefit and that as you say they, they don't 
consider, <laughs> consider, <laughs> consider all of those points. Uh, yeah, the, these platforms exist to make money, and they make money by the eyeballs on those platforms through their ad revenue. And if you take those little peoples away from their platforms without paying them for the privilege, they are not going to be happy with you, which is why they will strangle your social uh, if you're doing it organically. So that for some, that may be basic. For others, they may, that might be a eureka moment that goes, oh, my God, we've got to rethink our whole approach to content distribution. Yeah. And can you um, think of examples of companies who have successfully revamped their employer brand strategy by going back to basics? It's hard to look externally and see those that are doing it. I can, I can talk to my time at um, IBM and the work we started doing because you do some research, you go in and you do a bit of consultative work whilst you've got that freedom to do so and become, whilst you've got, you know, your, your voice is new and people will listen. And we identified some of the key challenges, one of those being that our job ads weren't coming up in search results. So you look at the you look at the job titles and they had fallen and failed of calling these jobs weird and wonderful names that they wanted to call them internally without appreciating that externally no one had to knew what you were talking no one had a clue what you were talking about because you're using jargon, IBM jargon. And because you're not using the right keywords, you're not coming up on the search results of LinkedIn and indeed. And then if you do decipher the heading code and you go into the body, they were too long. We applied some basic playground science of, you know, the average human has a, a reading speed of about 200 words a minute. And then you can look at your website and you realize that on average, based on previous experience, I know that on average, people will spend about one minute, 45 to two minutes on a website. And they'll look on average one to two pages. So you go, okay, so you've got two minutes on a website, 200 words, because that's the average reading speed. But yeah, I'm looking at a job ad, which is 500 words in length. No one's reading it. So that then was a catalyst for a huge project, which should have been simple, to revamp all the job ads that went out and then enable recruiters and hiring managers on how to write them, how to use job titles, how to make sure the SEO, the right keywords were in the opening paragraph, um, other best practice tips around how to include only five bullets for essential skills mm -hmm. and only three bullets for preferred skills. Um, and we started to see very quick, some really significant results, especially in Asia. Um, they were starting to see some really early results of applications to interviews and then interviews to hire ratios improving on the back of these ads being rewritten because it attracted the right type of people. You always, you always get the time wasters, but it did Im improve the quality because people knew what they were getting into. They weren't just chancing their luck. And then because you had more relevant people applying in the first place, you had better conversions from applications to interviews as well. All because we went right back to basics, I guess, you know, closing the loop on what we I mentioned earlier, and we fixed the job ads, or we started to fix the job ads. Whether they still are or not, I don't know, but there was definitely a, a good a good trajectory of improvement in key KPIs we were looking at by by doing that basic task. Oh, it's uh, so simple, isn't it, when you, you say it? Yeah, and I think it's something that is massively overlooked. And I think if anything, anyone takes away from, from this podcast, it's go and have a look at your job descriptions, yeah, job adverts. Yeah, um, yeah go and have a look at your job description. Look, yeah, and where possible, because it's easier said than done, map the user journey from key points, right? Whether you're in a, whether someone sees a social media post, where do they go? It's usually the career site or a blog, and then it's either into a CRM or a job ad. If you're at a conference, where do they go? Well, they usually go to an iPad or they scan a QR code and they enter their details and they go to a CRM or they go to apply for a job. And at each of those points, just identify your weakest links in the chain and approve it. You may have amazing job ads, but there'll be something there. When they land on a web page, what's on that web page? Where do they go? Is it a dead end? Yeah. Yeah. It's no, usually a terrible ATS. 
Well, yes, the, the, therein lies the biggest challenge. The underbelly of an ATS is often a shit experience. <laughs> Sorry, ATS is, it is. But, but ATSs were never meant to be front-end user experience tools. They were created in the advent of the internet when the volume of CVs that recruiters had to manage blew up because it wasn't just people handing over physical documents in a shop or an office. It was people uploading it and they thought, crikey, we can't manage the volume. So it was always meant to be a back-end organization tool as opposed to a front-end user experience. And they've never, even all the years, I don't think, some do quite a good job. I think, uh, dare I say, Greenhouse, I think, has quite a good graphical user interface on the front end, but I don't know many others that do, but I'm not close to the ATS world anymore. So feel free to prove me wrong if you have examples that are okay. That's right. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah thought she'd just mentioned ATS is right in the end there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just love that grenade. It's a whole other podcast, then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come back for part two. If one, one I'll decline, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, um, Ben, I mean, there's <laughs> some really good insights there you've given us, and certainly some things for me to think about. I think I'll be running straight off and looking at our own job ads. But one of the things that we always like to do with our guests is ask them if they've got any top reads or listens that would recommend to our listeners. Um, yes, and I'm gonna, not going to lie. I, I did pre-prepare this, knowing this question was coming, having listened to some of your other podcasts. So I have a few that have had the biggest impact on me in my career and my development. So for one-to-one -one coaching and conversations, I speak very highly of Radical Candor by Kim Scott, a simple but effective model. For broader, bigger team leadership, a huge fan of Drive by Daniel Pink. And if you really want to foster a positive kind of culture of failing fast and learning, which we have to do, here's a tenuous link back to employer branding and talent marketing. We're doing that all the time. Then Black Box Thinking by Matt Saeed. Amazing. Yeah. So for employer brand strategy, the brand plan, Marcus Bodie and Jim Ellis. Marcus Bodie has some really smart and intelligent things to say. In, you know, I think there's about 11 episodes. The first seven are, are, are really good when it comes to strategy. Then it goes into things like metrics and what to measure. But those first six or seven podcasts around brand strategy are, are really good. And, and Mark has had some, some great insights and advice that you can learn from. That's great. Oh, thank you. That's good. I think I used to work with Marcus actually. Marcus Body. Yeah. Body, not Bodie. Apologies. Yeah. Where I think he was known as the Body. <laughs> like, um, a, like, yeah. a, like a WWE wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> just without the spandex or maybe with the spandex i don't know the guy maybe that's his thing <laughs> you'll get there one day roger yeah. <laughs> well look thank you so much ben uh really appreciate chatting to you yeah it's and... been a pleasure no thank you guys appreciate thank you for having me speak to you again soon speak to you again soon bye thanks for listening for more expert insights, check out our other bite-sized episodes, perfect for micro-learners and those with a short attention span, just like me. And if you're in employer branding and recruitment marketing, you might be interested in our monthly EB meetups. Just search EB Meetup on LinkedIn and join our community. For anything else, contact us via leapcreate.co.uk. See you next time.